Hello and welcome to The Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help for correspondents from around the world. I'm Meng Chang, coming up in this edition. The French police officer accused of fatally shooting a 17-year-old has been charged with voluntary homicide. British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak says the government will appeal to the top court after its plan to deport asylum seekers to Rwanda has been ruled unlawful. And the UN Security Council is scheduled to vote to end a decade-long peacekeeping mission in Mali. Studying in Europe, the police officer accused of shooting a 17-year-old in a Paris suburb during a traffic stop has apologized to the boy's family. The apology comes after prosecutors charged the officer with voluntary homicide and in the wake of days of violent protests in the French capital. Meantime, the victim's mother has led a peaceful march of thousands of supporters in Nanterre, demanding justice for her son. French President Emmanuel Macron has called a new crisis meeting amid ongoing protests in Paris over the teenager's shooting. Ross Cullen has the latest. All the bus routes in Paris were stopped. All the tram services came to an end, not just in the Paris uh, city centre, but in the wider French capital region as well. Other towns and cities in France also have brought in on Thursday uh, these transport restrictions to try to get a handle on the protests before they break out in earnest. The last hours have been marked by violent scenes against police stations, but also schools and town halls, and basically against institutions and the Republic. It's absolutely unjustifiable. 40,000 extra police officers are on standby on Thursday to react to any outbreaks of violence, 5,000 in the French capital and 35,000 around the rest of the country. We did see uh, these protests mostly confined to the Paris suburbs, but then on Wednesday night they uh, broadened out to other French cities like Toulouse, Marseille, Bordeaux. We've seen so many riots and arson attacks, schools burned, city halls burned, uh, other public buildings targeted, buses and trams are subject to, to arson attacks, trash cans on fire, cars on fire, fireworks set off in city centres, hundreds of people arrested, dozens of police officers injured. There was Ross Cullen reporting from Paris. Moving on to Britain, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak says the government will appeal to the country's top court after the Court of Appeal ruled the government plan to deport asylum seekers to Rwanda as unlawful. On Thursday, the lower court concluded by a majority of 2 to 1 that Rwanda could not be treated as a safe third country. Under the deal struck last year, Britain planned to send tens of thousands of asylum seekers who arrive on its shores to the East African country. Yulo Abdavid reports from Britain. It is a, a seen as a central government policy by the Conservative government here in Britain, and it's seen as a setback for now, but the legal wrangling is unlikely to stop. But in terms of the, of the Court of Appeal and the decision after a short hearing, then asylum seekers and the charity that brought this challenge against the UK government, Asylum Aid, um, obviously are very pleased that the challenge to the Rwanda Asylum Plan, as it's called here, uh, has uh, stopped it for now. Uh, and I think that it's also indicative of the feelings towards this policy um, by many different groups and, and uh, organizations is, is, is sort of summarized by another charity, Freedom for Torture, who says that the government, as it calls it, the cash for humans deal with Rwanda is uh, deeply immoral and flies in the face of the laws of this country. Now, the idea, uh, the policy was to try and, and send them to a, a safe uh, country, according to the government, and then 
pay to send them back. But there is also the cost issue, and the cost of dealing uh, with asylum seekers is $3.8 billion. There are several reasons why the UK government is very keen to pursue this policy. That was Yolo Abdafid reporting. In Africa, the Rwandan government says it remains fully committed to its migration deal with Britain, despite a court ruling against the British asylum plan. It insists that Rwanda is one of the safest countries in the world and has created a safe environment for migrants. Here's Athan Tshoba in Rwanda. The statement that came from the、uh, UK court has been widely condemned here in Rwanda. The government, office of the government spokesperson, issued a statement saying that they have issues with the UK court, saying that Rwanda is unsafe for refugees. Yet Rwanda actually continues to receive、uh, several migrants and asylum seekers. Who have been evacuated will continue to be evacuated from Libya, coming from different parts of the of the continent. And、uh, over the last 30 years or so, Rwanda has received refugees from different countries, including、uh, Burundi, Congo, DRC,、uh, Syria, Eritrea. So currently, Rwanda has nothing to say regards what the legal procedures in、uh, the UK has to do. Until they are ready to receive, until these people board the planes and come here, that's when they actually can be、uh, responsible for anything. But as of now, they are just waiting for whatever、uh, the, the the legal procedures is going to produce in the UK and in the European Union. That was Athan Tshoba reporting from Rwanda. So in Africa, the UN Security Council is scheduled to vote to end a decade-long peacekeeping mission in Mali. Last month, the West African country's military junta asked the mission to leave without delay. UN peacekeeping missions have been coming under increasing pressure from Mali and other host countries in Africa. Governments and civilians have been accusing them of failing to achieve their set mandates. Robert Nagila reports. Created in 2013, following an insurgency in the north. The 12,000-strong United Nations Multidimensional Integrated Stabilization Mission in Mali, known as MINUSMA, is on the verge of winding up its mission. In the last couple of years, relations between the peacekeeping mission and Mali's government have deteriorated to the point that, mid this month, Mali's Foreign Minister Abdoulaye Diop demanded the withdrawal of the UN peacekeeping force. The government demands the withdrawal of MINUSMA. This has thrown into disarray the UN Security Council's bid to renew Minusma's mandate, with a vote scheduled for Friday. The government accused the mission of failure to protect civilians from attacks. On the streets, reaction from the public has been mixed. There have been atrocities despite the presence of Minusma. I'm not against the departure of the Minusma, but I'm worried about the situation of the young people who work in the Minusma services. But it's not just in Mali where the UN mission faces an uncertain future. In the Democratic Republic of Congo and in the Central African Republic, UN peacekeepers are coming under increasing pressure from the host countries. Failure to uphold their mandate, experts say, is the reason the mission is viewed as a failure. People are convinced that the missions have not produced the intended result, which is supposed to be enhanced peace making or peace building. The second th- factor is the fact that、um, some rogue element of the peace making mission have also been indicted in wanton human rights abuses and all sort of crimes against humanity. In 2021. 
France announced the withdrawal of its forces from Mali following two military coups and the presence of Russian private security contractors. But experts caution withdrawing peacekeeping missions without a proper security framework in place could be counterproductive. Before contemplating ejection or ejection of peacekeeping mission in the first place, to develop um, a, a report system to, to engender security sector reform that is going to empower the police, empower the military to be able to combat such uh, internal security crisis that necessitated the invitation of peacekeeping mission in the first place. Talks on the future of Manisma have been ongoing, but Malian authorities remain firm that the troops should leave. In the meantime, Mali is maintaining its strong defense cooperation with Russia and a security agreement with a Russian private military contractor, the Wagner Group. That was Robert Nagila reporting. Turning to North America, Russia has called a UN Security Council meeting and accused Western countries of not interested in peace in Ukraine. Jody Jacobs has more from New York. Thursday's UN Security Council meeting was called by Russia, the aim to discuss what it calls the influx of weapons into Ukraine by Western countries. Threats stemming from Western weapons being supplied to Ukraine are continuing to grow and multiply. As our ex-Western partners continue to make incessant attempts to shift all blame for what's going on in Ukraine onto Russia. But Western countries and the Council hit back, saying the conflict must end. Many say they will continue to stand with the people of Ukraine as they fight for a just and sustained peace as well as territorial integrity. Ukraine continues to need our support. For them, this is a war of survival. For Russia, it is a war of choice. China's deputy ambassador said what the world needs now is a ceasefire and not pumping of weapons into the battlefield. The United Nations has cautioned against the supply of weapons into any armed conflict situation as it raises significant concerns about a potential escalation of violence and diverting attention. I reiterate my call to states to join relevant treaties and agreements and to fully implement their legal obligations and political commitments under conventional arms control instruments to which they are party to minimize the risk of diversion of arms and ammunition. This is the sixth time such a meeting has been called by Russia since the start of its special military operation in Ukraine. There was another call for peace by the 14 members of the council. As the permanent representative of Gabon told the council, it's time diplomacy prevails over strength. That was Jody Jacobs at the United Nations in New York. Over to Asia. This year's China-Africa Economic and Trade Expo has welcomed more made-in-Africa products into China. Organizers released the first-ever China-Africa Trade Index, indicating a 20-time expansion in trade volume between the two sides over 22 years. Dai Kai has details. You can really find a vast array of products. For example, there are coffee from Rwanda and also pepper chilies from Rwanda, as well as wine from South Africa, as well as wood carvings from Zimbabwe, you name it, right? 1,500 exhibitors having signed up for the expo. That's up 70% from the previous expo. That expanded agenda, in a way, 
echoes what Chinese Vice President Han Zheng said at the opening ceremony that China is ready to provide new opportunities to Africa through Chinese modernization and China's high-quality development. And he also said that China aims to deepen practical cooperation with Africa, achieving even more fruitful outcomes. And they will also strive to build an even closer China-Africa community with a shared future. The president from uh, the Republic of Malawi said the partnership should result in, quote-unquote, exponential growth. And that exponential growth is indeed, in a way, uh, spoken by the latest China-Africa trade index released for the first time ever. It shows how back in the year of 2000, it starts at the basic reading of, of 100, and now in 2022, it's now rocketed to 990. That was Dai Kai reporting from the China-Africa Economic and Trade Expo. Finally, we go to the Middle East. Iraqi protesters have reportedly stormed the compound of the Swedish embassy in Baghdad after a Quran was burnt during a protest in Sweden. Sawa Mamika, who is said to be an Iraqi living in Sweden, set the Quran on fire outside a mosque in Stockholm on Wednesday. Many Muslim-majority countries have condemned the burning of Islam's holy book, including Turkey, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Morocco and Egypt. Before we go, here's a recap of today's top stories. The French police officer accused of shooting a 17-year-old boy in Paris has apologized to the victim's family. British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak says the government will appeal to the top court after its plan to deport asylum seekers to Rwanda has been ruled unlawful. And the UN peacekeeping mission in Mali is set to end after operating in the country for a decade. That concludes this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour news magazine podcast. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Wang Zihang. Thank you for listening.